Welcome to the CGN Mission and Methods Podcast, Season 4. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I will be your host this season. The goal and vision of this podcast is that it would be a forum for communication about Calvary Global Network. We want to share with you some of the stories about what God is doing. We want to talk about some of the initiatives we're involved in spearheading, and we want to answer the questions you might have about who we are as a network. On the episodes in this season, I'm joined by Pastor Brian Broderson, the founder and president of CGN and the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California. For season four of the podcast, Brian and I will be interviewing the members of the CGN executive team so you can get to know their stories, hear about their ministries and the roles they play in CGN, and find out what they're excited about for the future. In this, the final episode of season four, Pastor Brian and I speak with Clay Worrell. Clay has been the executive director of Calvary Global Network since 2022, but prior to that, he planted and pastored a church in Waterford City, Ireland. More recently, he pastored a church in the Bay Area of California, and in this discussion, Clay shares with us what it was like coming back to the U.S. after years in Ireland, and how different cultural contexts shape the way you do ministry. Additionally, we discuss the merits of short-term mission trips and how to make them effective and successful for long-term fruitfulness. Here's the episode. Welcome to Mission Methods Podcast. This is Nick Cady. I'm joined today by Pastor Brian Broderson and Pastor A. Clay Worrell. Mm. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. Yeah. Good to have you on here. So this season on Mission and Methods, we are interviewing all the members of the executive team. Mm-hmm. You are not just a member of the executive team. You are the executive director yes. of Calvary Global Network. So we are excited to talk with you today. I'm excited too. Good. Um, <laughs> Glad to be here. Pastor Brian, could you tell us where we're at? We are on the campus of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, and we are right in the midst of the CGN International Conference. Mm-hmm. This is actually our last day, so we're already getting kind of sad that mm-hmm. we're going to have to end this wonderful party, but um, it's good. It's a great, it's great been time. Great. Yeah. 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 I'll say the same. For us, my my staff and uh, the people I brought with me just really excited about what's going on with CGN, but also just excited for the environment that's been here with yeah. the worship and the teaching. It's just been really rich. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah you know, our, our theme this year, we've said it over and over, but is is the Spirit of the Lord is, a, is upon us from Isaiah 61. And man, we've just felt the tangible presence of the yeah. Spirit since the moment we started Sunday night with worship through this entire week. It's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the messages from the pulpit have been extraordinary and very, very relevant. And just like you sense prophetic words going out and the worship times have been really, really phenomenal. I mean, yeah, what a great team that these guys I posted today, just part of a song from last night because it was just a moment of like, Mm -hmm. wow, this is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So it's good. Yeah. Well, Clay, we're here to get to know a little bit about you. So tell us a little bit about who you are, sure. where you serve, and what's been your journey up until this point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you mentioned, I, I serve at Calvary Global Network now as the executive director since February of last year. So I'm about a year and a half into this role, and it's been uh, an adventure. It's been a blast. I love it. But before I was working at Calvary Global Network, I was a church planter primarily. So I started my 
ministry after I graduated from Calvary Chapel Bible College in 2006 by going to Ireland. And I was in a city called Waterford City, and we planted a church there, a Calvary Chapel. Additionally, started a Calvary Chapel Bible College campus and a coffee shop. And then after that, we transitioned that church and headed to the San Francisco Bay Area, the East Bay, a city called Pleasanton. And we replanted a church there, a church called Calvary Tri-Valley. We were there for seven years as well. Cool. Yeah. And Waterford, most famous for your grandma's porcelain, right? Crystal. You were Crystal. Close. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's yeah, right. The, the, one of the primary claim to fames is the, the crystal ball that drops in New York City every New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, whatever it is. That's Waterford Crystal. Interesting. How old were you when you moved to Waterford? You know, well, I moved to Ireland when I was, I think, 22. And then we started our church plant while we were living in a, in a town called Dundalk up towards the north of Ireland, but still in the Republic, just north of Dublin, about halfway between Dublin and Belfast, and commuted for the first eight months of the church plant. And then we moved to Waterford City in 2008, mm-hmm. and I was 23, I believe. Well, yeah, so many stories that we've heard of guys on the executive team as well, but so many people in Calvary Chapel, just God using young people yeah. right out of Bible college or maybe not Bible college. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. yeah. Mm. High school, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did Bible college, but we don't need to talk about high school. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Brian and I have something in common there. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> our skeletons in the closet. <laughs> yeah. We have three letters after our, our names. They're called G-E-D. Ah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, those... Those Ireland years were sweet. They were. It was great, you know, yeah. when we get to come and see you and kind of yeah. just see what the Lord was doing. And and obviously you left, but the work goes on. Yes. And it's strong. God's doing great things. And of course, yeah. one of our other executive team members is Mike Neglia, yes. who carries on now 20 years in yeah. court. In court. And yeah. uh, you know, Clay, that substantial work that Mike's doing it's amazing. here. And yeah. I was just in England and the, some of the guys from Ireland came over that see the Irish national guys yeah. who are really excited about what God's doing and mm-hmm. just forward. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Well, two things. One, a, a neat thing is the the start of relationship with you, Brian, was really revolved around me going to Ireland. Yeah. As I was in Bible college, uh, I felt the strong call to Ireland. I was a kid. So mm-hmm. I got a lot of the pastors in my life were like, you're too young. You need to be a youth pastor for a while, you know, go get a job somewhere in America and then maybe someday. But I met with you, Brian, and you didn't know who I was, but you were open to meeting with me. I just shared my vision and your response was, well, why don't you just go? I'm like, well, I don't have any money. He's like, well, if I buy you a plane ticket for this (laughs) summer, would you pray about not coming back? I was like, heck yeah, man. So <laughs> that was the start of my ministry there was was here in Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa meeting in your office. Remember and, that? And I think that, you know, I mean, some people would say that is totally reckless. Sure. But I think, you know, there's some good fruit that came out of that. So I would say maybe yeah. we were just being spirit led. I think so. <laughs> yeah. In that case, at least. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think of, you know, the years, because when we started church planting in, different parts of Europe. You know, nobody really knew. I mean, we jokingly sometimes say, we, we don't know what we're doing. Mm. Well, this is no joke. We did not know <laughs> what we were doing at all. And, but we were just trying to do what we thought the Lord was leading us to do. We were just putting one foot in front of the other, you know, yeah. and we were, 
we were sending guys to to take up life in Europe, and a lot of these guys would spend you know decades there mm -hmm. after that. But we, you know, there was no language preparation. There was right. no cross cultural training. It was man just getting thrown in the deep end and figuring it out. Mm -hmm. You're shaking your head because you were one of those guys, yes. Nick, yeah. who yeah. did that same thing. Mm -hmm. and, and I want to say this, and that this is what I want to say regarding that, because you know we've had a, you know a bit of a shift in recent years, and especially with CGN, we have a partnership with Western Seminary. We've all gone through graduate school, but we haven't done that and just said, oh, all that stuff we did in the past was so wrong and no, no. we're never going to do that again. No, we're, we probably are still going to send some yeah. guys that we just say, hey, why don't you just go check it out? And then other guys, we're going to encourage to get some more education. Yeah. So it's not, it's not an either or thing. Yeah. You know, you got to do this because people have asked me, well, do you have to? A lot of, especially a lot of people outside Calvary, they assume because we've had a Bible college for so many years, they assume that the road to the pastorate hmm. automatically assume that it includes Bible college right. education, right. which of course it does. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about our partnership with Western Seminary is a, probably I'd say large majority of our students from CGN that have gone through Western have gone through the MABL program, which is a cohort master's program that is designed for people who have been in ministry for at least five years in a full-time context or equivalency to get that value-added graduate-level yeah. education. And that even by design kind of shows our heart, right? And, you know, yeah. what we've said it forever, I think Chuck probably said it first, I don't know, but God doesn't necessarily call the equipped. He oftentimes equips the, the called. And, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about that partnership. And one of the things when I was in Hungary that Hungarian Christians and pastors told me that they admired about Calvary Chapel is that they said, we will like ponder doing things for years and you guys just do it. Like, <laughs> Love that. Hey, there's yes. like two people in this city over there and they kind of want a Bible study maybe. And we're like sending somebody over there <laughs> yeah. and they're like, well, we've been thinking about doing that for years and <laughs> you guys just did it while we were yeah. still pondering it. And I hope that we never like lose that. that. Amen. Personally, like no, we, we can't. We can't. Yeah. 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 We want to add to that, right? Yeah. We don't want to replace that. Right. We want to add to that the infrastructure and the strategy and the training and things like that to hopefully continue that walk of faith and taking those steps of faith, but then to equip and prepare those who are taking those steps of faith more effectively. And there's not a one size fits all with CGN uh, or with anybody's call, right? So- Everything that we've designed is is catered in a way, or is designed in a way to where it caters to a specific context mm -hmm. for each planter or person who's stepping into ministry. Well, tell us a little bit about the story of that church plant. I mean, sure. I love hearing the story because every every church has this like, oh yeah, you know, legendary story of how it came into being. Oh my goodness, yeah. So as I mentioned, I, I moved to Ireland straight out of Bible college. My wife and I dated long distance while I was there, and she was still here. Came back, got married, uh, and moved together to Ireland two weeks after our wedding. So mm -hmm. I don't necessarily recommend that universally, but it worked for us. And we started our church plant within months of being married as well. And as I mentioned, we, we plugged into a local Irish church in Dundalk. And that was key for mm -hmm. our process because I think it was Rod Thompson who told me I was interning with him at the Bible College after I graduated in between trips to Ireland. And I think he's the one that originally directed me to find a local 
pastor and ministry leaders who can teach me the culture and a place, a safe place where I can make mistakes as I'm going to, to plant cross-culturally. And I found that in Dundalk Community mm-hmm. Church. So served there, did their youth ministry, was kind of an assistant pastor. And then, but shortly into that process, we started a Bible study in Waterford City with three, three people who had came to faith through a short-term mission trip that another Calvary Chapel had done. And so we started with these three Irish brand new believers in the kitchen of a uh, man's house and for eight months just commuted down midweek and, and taught those three people. And, and it grew like crazy in those eight months from three people to four. Yeah. Uh, people it was substantial <laughs> wild yeah i mean if you, if you put a percentage on that that's actually not too bad no. right? but, yeah. so yeah then we moved down and started the slow process of of planting and and you know this is something that's really significant about our story as well is i was young i was ambitious i was really naive you know and i expected things to mm-hmm. really happen you know i think the first two years of our church plant we didn't cross over a dozen people and it wasn't until we had spent this significant amount of time ingraining ourselves into the community in Waterford City that the church started actually growing rather rather rapidly. And we did that through a, a number of, of ways, one of which was when we moved to the city, we, we just got involved in the local farmer's market. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife and I started making these janky little crafts that nobody wanted to buy, but it was a way in to be in the community with the people build those relationships and begin to get known in our city, not as the weird American Jesus freaks, but as just people and build yeah. those relationships. The people who make the mediocre well, crafts. So yes, it started as that, that didn't last very long. We okay. wound up getting involved in coffee and that uh, worked a lot better. <laughs> I partnered with a, a third wave coffee roaster and we, we, that started our path into using coffee for the gospel, which that's a significant story as well, but uh, well, tell us about it. <laughs> okay, sure. So, so yeah, that farmer's market, all the while we're, we're doing our Bible study. Eventually we start Sunday mornings. We started Sunday mornings with, I think, eight people or so. But that farmer's market was really, really key. And as I mentioned, we, we partnered with this local coffee roaster. Uh, he's an Australian guy who we met through the farmer's market. And we wound up doing his coffee stall for him in the mm. farmer's market. And that was really great. So we would do festivals, we would do the weekly farmer's market in Waterford and in Kilkenny and so on and so forth. And that created a little bit of income for us, which was super helpful, but also made those connections. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our outreach was surrounding coffee and tea as well. We would go into the city center of Waterford and we would just have a big sign saying free tea and coffee and just hand it out. And as people would come by, sometimes they would just take it and walk away. Other times they'd take it and say, why are you giving me free coffee? And we would just say something simple like, for a local Christian church. And we want to show the love of Jesus practically. Mm. And that often would turn into a conversation and often wouldn't. But that was kind of this theme of our ministry was highly relational and just being consistent and present. And one of the ways that that kind of grew into maturity in our ministry is we had the opportunity later on, a couple years before we transitioned out and came back to America, to, to open a full-blown coffee shop in our city. Mm. There was a, a vacant space in the city center that I passed on my way to my office. And, and I just felt the Lord. It was one of those rare times in my life where I had that just almost audible voice of God, not audible, almost audible voice, like that's a coffee shop, you know? And so I called the letting agent and it was super cheap, this teeny little shop front. And we opened what we called Portico 
which was our coffee shop owned by the church, operated by the church. We staffed it with our Bible college students that were in town and volunteers. And But it wasn't churchy, wasn't Christian-y. It was just good coffee in our city. And uh, the, the amazing thing with that is, you know, people came to faith by coming to church and by being invited to church. But the people who came to faith through that coffee shop, through the relationships that they built there, were people that would have never in a million years stepped foot into an evangelical church or what would be perceived as a Protestant church. Uh, we had two guys come to faith who were, I won't say their names, but were active members of the IRA at the time that they were coming to our coffee shop, one of which married one of the American missionary girls, which is hilarious, later on after he got saved. <laughs> um, Another one was this this woman who she was a kind of like druid Wiccan type lady, ex Muslim, and uh, and I mean I could go on and on, but these things these these stories came from relationships that were built through us just serving good coffee and being friendly people in our city center, and in highly relational contexts like Ireland, I think that that is so much more effective than going out and handing out tracks or. Trying to do big attractional events at a church, uh, and I'm just so thankful for those years. Let me just jump in on the topic of short-term mission trips. Oh yeah, because you're mentioning these three people. You know, isn't that like the story? Like I told earlier, right? We got three people over yeah. here. Let's do this, yes, right? Yeah. So you got three people that got saved on a short-term mission trip. I've heard a lot of people be down on short-term missions. And I kind of get it because when we were long-term missionaries, sometimes we would get teams mm-hmm. and we got teams of varying quality. Yes. And sometimes it, it felt like we were babysitting people. It's a waste of our resources, et cetera. It would be better if you just gave us, you know, the money that you would have spent on the trip. Right. And yet I, I think that short-term mission trips are, are actually a good thing. I don't think they should be diminished. I think you can do them better or worse. Yes. But. Pastor Brian, maybe speaking to short-term missions, what's your take? Yeah, I, I, I believe in them, but I think exactly like you think about it, because of course I lived overseas and we had lots of people that wanted to come and help out that ended up being more, much more of a burden than a help. So you do, you know, you have to, if you're on that end of it, you have to really be selective Mm -hmm. with who you're working with and be clear about what, you know, you're, you're expecting. And I, and I think if you're taking a team, you're really going to serve, you know, yeah. that's what you're going to go do. Yeah. So you're going to go do whatever they need you to do. Not, well, we've got this agenda. We want to, we want to do yeah. this. Maybe those two things will coincide, but maybe not. So, but I do think they're, they're very valuable. And yeah. I think they're, I found this and you guys probably did too for the local people. They're super encouraged. And yeah. because a lot of times we take young people. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we've never seen young people like this before. We've never seen young people that are happy. We've mm-hmm. never seen young people that are like, you know, wanting to help and yeah. do stuff. We've never seen young people that actually loved God. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, it, it could be really uh, impactful for the local people, yeah. you know, in that regard. And then I think for the the short-term missionary, it's radically impactful because mm-hmm. for some reason or another, when you hit the ground in a in another country, you just know that uh, this is not going to be like my everyday, ordinary Christian experience back at home. This is a place where we're going to be in. It's it's action packed. Yeah. And I think the great thing is, and usually what happens is when you get back home, you're like, well, wait a second. 
we were doing all of this stuff over there. Maybe we should start doing this yeah. stuff here too. So yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan, but I, I do get that they can sometimes be some, a bit counterproductive, but I think you just have to know what you want and everybody needs to be on the same page. I think what you said is key there, Brian, that you're going to serve, right? And, and you alluded to this, that I think a, a good rule of thumb for doing short-term mission trips, if you're the one sending or going, is to ensure that you're partnering with a local ministry, yep. both for the sake of, like you said, being there to serve and to support. Also, though, for the sake of making sure that you're not going to make huge cultural blunders, because mm -hmm. that happens sometimes, sometimes often with short-term missions and and then also so that there's follow-up for what you're doing and because that is something that we saw in our city in waterford before we got there is there were some churches with some calvaries with great intentions that were doing really good things they would come for years yeah. to waterford city and do these like you know kids clubs and do these outreaches and all this stuff and it would generate a lot of excitement and and a lot of people would come out and jesus would touch lives but they didn't connect with a local church because there wasn't a Calvary Chapel in existence. And I was actually told when we were first being called there that there's no good churches in Waterford and that's why they hadn't partnered with a local church. Once I moved there, I found out there were some very good churches mm. in Waterford. They just weren't Calvary chapels. There was a need for more, mm -hmm. but um, but what happened, and we, we uh, heard these stories for years to come because those teams were connected with the name Calvary Chapel is it wound up actually really hurting some of the people in the community because they felt abandoned mm -hmm. because there was this this team would come all this excitement would happen and then it would just drop off and they would leave them feeling kind of alone you know mm -hmm. and so, so i think that's just an important principle is even if there's not a calvary if you're from a calvary chapel context even if there's not a calvary chapel in the place that you're yeah. going there's almost always i'm not saying every every place there's almost always some sort of christian group that you can connect with and then use for that that follow-up afterwards yeah yeah also i've noticed that almost every long-term missionary i know has kind of gotten introduced to missions yeah, short-term short -term missions that was the case yeah. for me mm -hmm. you know that i was uh, a missionary in hungary long-term missionary and dave downs came on a team of high schoolers from calvary mm -hmm. chapel costa mesa mm -hmm. to hungary Later on, I mean, Dave now is in Italy for many years, plants a church in Torino. And yeah, I mean, just he's basically Italian. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. So, and, and I can think of many people who over the years, yeah. maybe there were 20 people on that team, maybe from that team, two people. Yep. Yeah. God was using that trip in an amazing way sure. yeah. to introduce them to what he was going to use them for in the future. Yeah. That was the case with me, too. I, I went on a yeah. short term trip. Yeah. yeah. Me as well. And, and the whole work in, Hungary and Yugoslavia and yeah. Serbia, it all began with a short-term mission trip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was that, you know, that was really kind of, I, I, it was a mission trip, but we didn't quite know what it was. You mm. know, it was just sort of let's, we've been invited by this couple to come and visit them and see if maybe something could happen. Mm -hmm. And they would set, they set up meetings in churches, you know, three or four churches that we were, okay, these were, these American you know, Christians are going to come and visit these churches. I mean, one of the churches we went to was probably a 200-year-old Reformed church, mm. and there was not a person under 75 mm. in the church, wow. and there was probably only six people in the church. Wow. So when we showed up with guitars and stuff, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we pretty much frightened the heck out of them. You know, they're like, what in the world? 
Yeah. Uh, and that was just part of the journey to finally getting to the streets of a city called Subatitsa where we could connect with some young people. But it was, you know, but it was quite an adventure. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. But I love that willingness, right? It's like Jonathan and his armor bearer. Like, let's just go peek over the yeah. hill and yeah. see what the Lord, see what the Lord will do. So yeah. That's yeah. the, that's the yeah. word. Well, with the remaining time, I want to hear about that. So you went from this, you know, amazing thing going on in Waterford. Yes. You hand that over to an Irish leader. Yes. And then you come to the U.S. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah. So Brian's a part of this story as well. There's a theme here in my life, Brian. And now look at us. <laughs> look, and we can't. Can't just can't. You can't get rid of me. Can't you, get rid of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did this to myself. <laughs> you did. What have you think? So, um, yeah. So, I, you know, the goal in Ireland was always to raise up local leaders to to lead the church and by god's grace that happened we were able to hand the church over to tyrone power who's a waterford guy through and through as lead pastor at the time and danny keating as the associate pastor at the time two irish guys who now just a side note just because i'm so blessed by it tyrone has gone out from that church to plant another church in a neighboring town and danny is now the lead pastor of calvary waterford which is just so cool and uh so i came back to the states like the lord was calling us I was sitting with Brian and he told me about this small church in in Livermore, California, uh, the Tri-Valley that needed a pastor and it was kind of needing a, a fresh start, a sort of a replant. And um, prayed about it, did a candidacy and was invited to take that church. So that was the replant in the in the Bay Area. And you know, the thing that that really was significant in that process is I had this mentality after planting from scratch in Ireland, having relatively speaking, a significant amount of success there. I felt like coming back to California was going to be just sort of a walk. I hate to say it so prideful, but sort of a walk in the park. Like, this is going to be great. Like, it's going to grow. We've got some resources the church has. We've got this like, like 20 people to start with. This is going to be awesome. And, and I, so I felt these expectations on myself. And then I also felt some expectations from others, not negatively, but it's like, oh, you're going to come back. You're going to kill it. Things, comments like that. And I, let me tell you, it just, that was not our experience. We came back and, and I can say this, like replanting in the Bay Area was harder than planting in, in Waterford City. Uh, we underestimated the, the, the reality of culture shock coming back to our home state, mm -hmm. which was significant. We underestimated the complexity of replanting even a small church, but a church that existed for a long time. And we also underestimated the fact that, hey, doing gospel ministry anywhere is hard, <laughs> you know? So it was seven years of what felt like just really, really hard work. And God did a, a great thing there. The church was very healthy when we, when we transitioned out. Never got big, but it was, it was very healthy. We survived COVID in that time, but, but it was, it was a challenging, very challenging season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, tell us about what was the difference, I mean, really, between the Bay Area and, and Ireland. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's one of the things. You couldn't have more opposite mm -hmm. cultural contexts, right? So, Ireland, a very high level of unemployment, a lot of people on social welfare, uh, highly relational uh, culture. Everybody has time for people. People are more, way more important than, than time. You know, it's, it's Ireland. It's, it's a beautiful culture in that sense. The Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, is just the opposite. We were in a very affluent suburb of, of San Francisco. Everybody was so career-driven. Nobody had time. And people were not that important. Relationship was not that important. You're in the Bay Area for your career. 
you know, and you're building your career and so that you can make your nest egg, get your resume and get out. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so that was a shock because we had been formed by our time in Ireland, uh, both in the way that we do ministry, but also the way that we do life. And so I think the Lord used that. Um, because I think that this principle, that's one of the, the cultural aspects of, of Irish culture that's, that's quite biblical is community is a very foundational biblical principle when it comes to the church. Uh, individualism is not, right? We're saved from individualism into the family of God. And so I think God used that, but, but that was one of the biggest shocks and one of the biggest challenges there is we found it to be such an uphill battle to to build a church that was actually a a family or a community and not just a place to go to check your church box and then go on about your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was at that church last year. Yeah. I did some things with them, and man, it's a it is. I would I would describe it as a vibrant church. Yeah, I, I loved God. it. Yeah, so that's awesome, Clay. Let me just ask you. Final question. What is it that you're excited about for the future of CGN? Man, all the things. Let, let me just say this. I could, I could say so many different things when you ask me that question because I, I'm, I'm so excited about CGN. But, but you know, just because we're at this conference and experiencing this, I think one of the things that I'm most excited about, about CGN is that God is, is building this network to be a, a group of churches that are just so excited to be together, but not just to be together, but to work together. And that's one of our, our big emphasis in CGN, right, is, is that we want to fulfill the Great Commission together. You know, we're a family of churches working together to make disciples, proclaim the gospel, make disciples, and plant churches. So it's not just about who we are, but it's about what we're doing together. And I'm seeing that culture just really begin to, to blossom in our family of churches where that cooperative spirit of hey we're going to we're going to plant churches you know we're going to work together for the health of the pastors and leaders in our family of churches we're 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 going to we're going to actually do things together cuz we can do more together than we can on our own so i just love that all right well clay how can people get in touch with the network if they're interested in learning more about the initiatives sure. maybe getting connected yeah the best way you can go to calvaryglobalnetwork.com uh, they've got tons of information there. All of our initiatives are listed there. Uh, you can email us at cgn at calvarychapel.com. Also head on over to calvarychapel.com to see all the amazing articles and, and content that we're putting out there. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to, to hear from anybody who wants to learn more. Awesome. Thanks, Clay. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening to this season of the CGN Mission and Methods podcast. We'd love to hear feedback from you on these episodes. You can email us at cgn at calvarychapel.com. Keep an eye out on your podcast feed for bonus episodes and information about the next season of the Mission and Methods podcast. Until next time, God bless you.